an American icon who fought in World War II, gave you Martin Lewis, Martha Ray, George Goebel, Tennessee Ernie Ford, Andy Williams, Fried Green Tomatoes, Spinal Tap, The Princess Bride, The Sure Thing, Stand By Me, The Declaration of Independence, People for the American Way, and a few TV shows. Maybe you've heard of a couple of these. All in the family, Sanford and Son, Maud, Good Times, The Jeffersons, Hot L, Baltimore, One Day at a Time, Mary Harmon, Mary Harmon, The Dumplings, All's Fair, All the Glitters, Burnwood Tonight, America Tonight, Different Strokes, The Facts of Life, The Baxters, Archie Bunker's Place, Silver Spoons, Glorious, Square Pegs, A.K.A. Pablo, Who's the Boss, 227, Sunday Dinner, The Powers of Beast, 704, Hauser, Channel 11 and 3, One Day at a Time on Netflix. All of the above with Norman Lear. It's all of the above with Norman Lear. Just another version of you. We're going to talk for a couple of minutes and bring you in. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, those of you listening, those of you who are not listening, please turn <laughs> on your radios. Uh, how, how do you wonder how I might think I'm reaching you if you're not listening? Uh, well, I'm somebody who believes in miracles. Uh, so you don't have to have the radio on wherever the hell you are, in your car, walking, running, shopping, turn us on. It's all of the above with Norman Lear and Paul Hip. Hi, Norman. Sitting here. And uh, a thrilling uh, visitor. Yeah. Uh, thrilling because uh, of his talent and of his... Uh, Seeming purpose in life. It's not somebody I've met before. I'm meeting him for the first time now. But I love his beard and his accent and, uh, <laughs> and everything I know about him that preceded this, uh, this uh, sit around the table. You know. Great actor. Yes. I'm a big fan of And we haven't guests. mentioned his name yet, so we're really teasing this yeah. crowd, aren't we? Yeah, I'm a big fan. He's a great actor. He's a, he's a glorious actor. And right now, he's playing a genius. Yes, he is. Yeah. He is. He Should we is. say the genius is a hint, or would that be giving too much away? Well, I think you could give it all away, Paul. Picasso. Picasso. <laughs> the genius Picasso, played by Antonio Banderas, yeah. who's sitting across the table grinning. And uh, <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I thought that you guys were going to give me those papers to tell the, the real name of Don Pablo Picasso. Oh, oh yes. I don't know. I'm Picasso going to do has that. the longest name. The longest name in, in history. history. Yeah, where is it? <laughs> well, we, let's can... get to know yeah. Antonio yeah. first. And that's Sir. what you have to look for, so stay tuned for Picasso's full yeah, name. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> you are going to hear. Oh, that's right. Call friends. Tell them to get over there or turn on their own radios. And said properly. Because. Uh, <laughs> Perhaps uh, Pablo Picasso's entire name has not been uttered on American uh, radio. Uh, it's not been broadcasted, perhaps ever. <laughs> no, because it's 15 minutes long. Who's going <laughs> to? <laughs> but we have uh, Antonio Banderas, who was born in the same city, the same I believe. City. Yeah. And uh, he is going to, in a few moments, say hello. Well, uh, yes, I was born in the same city, which is the Malaga, the city at the south of Spain, and we are both Andalusians. He was born actually two blocks from where I was born. Really? Yeah. I, I remember when I used to, my mother used to take me to school every morning when I was a little kid, you know, five, six years old, and we always crossed in front of the house of Pablo Picasso, and there was a. a Should you talk a there. little louder? Yeah. No, it's, per it's okay. It's good. I'm sorry. And it was a tag there in the building saying Pablo Picasso was born here, you know, 1881. And, uh, and so, 
you know, you have to think that Picasso was an international Spanish hero at a time in which there were no heroes in Spain. We had a dictator called Franco for 40 years, and it was very rare that somebody from Spain can come out and make a big splash. So the fact that he was from my town, he just created an incredible fascination in me, you know, for these men that was actually, you know, a, a hero for everybody all around the world, mm. one of the best painters ever. Mm. So, uh, you know, he was uh, the shadow of Picasso has been always over my life. He left Malaga. Later on, uh, you know, I, I left Malaga practically at the same time that he left, the same age, the same age probably. And uh, and so there was something, a connection, a strict connection with him. I was offered to play Picasso before, like two or three times, and I rejected it. I wasn't, you know, ready to do that, I think, in one hand. And in the other hand, I needed the guarantees that actually we were going to have the people behind that could make something good out of it. And when National Geographic came, uh, you know, offering uh, the part to me, I thought, well, this is a very prestigious institution mm -hmm. that mm. gained, you know, the credibility for many years of good work. So if we're going to do the life of somebody, we need facts and we need uh, seriousness, you know, with this. And so I said, uh, you know, why the hand of Ron Howard and people like that, you know, Brian Grazer. I have to be there. And that was the decision, and I leap into this character, and uh, he has been a lot of fun. Actually. Ron Howard and Brian Grace have been responsible for more great television and film. Definitely. Yeah. More than or certainly as much as anybody I can think of. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. And it's amazing that uh, I've not seen Picasso yet. There is so much to see. I know. And I, it, can you keep up with everything you hear about that you'd like to see? No, but the good <laughs> thing about it is that now we have the possibility to watch these uh, shows whenever you want. Yes, and, and, see, them, and see them all in the exactly. same evening. And, and I have to confess, you know, guys, I, I am... Sometimes I feel even it's embarrassing, you know, but sometimes if I get hooked in one of those shows, I, I, can, I can see... 10 episodes in one day. I can start at, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning and it's 10 o'clock at night and I am so hooked into them that it's like a, I'm eating in front of the television. I am doing... I do the same thing. You do yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do the same. I did it with, with Picasso. It's not only me. All Picasso right. is easy. Your show is easy to do with. You have the... He's the one guy. You have almost a century of art history. Really, in yeah. one guy. Because he would do things, take it in a direction nobody had, and everyone would follow. And then everybody would follow. And then he'd go this way, and they would all follow. For yeah. almost a century, right? Yes. Um, one of the things of the, the defines Picasso, that, of course, there were fantastic painters, you know, at his time, Matisse, Braque, uh, you know, Chagall, many of them. They were top-of-the-line painters. One thing that makes Picasso different is that he practically... Uh, practice every style in painting, mm. you know, and and he never stopped being Pablo Picasso. You can recognize Picasso. I was going to say, and never yeah. stopped being recognizable, exactly. however yeah. wide the stretch, Correct. he was still Picasso. Exactly. Yeah. In expressionism, impressionism, in cubism, neoclassicism, in the blue area, in the pink period, everything that he did, he never lost his personality. And that's very important, you know, to recognize and, the painter always. And there. we are talking about 
Picasso, whose name we're going to hear. Drum roll. He's going to be. For the first time. Even for me that I am Spanish. Uh, You folks at home, have you made the telephone calls? Have you got people listening? Because here it comes. Here it comes. Uh, I'm handing him the pages now because he, as as much as Antonio Banderas has memorized as an actor, he has never memorized anything as well. So I'll see you tomorrow, guys. Uh, (laughs) He comes. He says. Ladies and gentlemen, the name of Pablo Picasso, the full name. Pablo Diego, José Francisco de Paula, Juan Nepomuceno, María de los Remedios Cricipiano, de la Santísima Trinidad Ruiz, Picasso. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. You know what I'd like? God, I would love you to come to the house and do that. I'd like to dance to that. <laughs> you can do a rap song with that thing. Yeah, really? <laughs> it is a rap song. You just put a beat behind it, what you just did, and we've got it. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, the character was as complicated as his name. I may say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is that common in Spain to have? So, do you have a super long name that we don't know? I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I remember, you know, that in Spain, for example, we use always two second names the one of your father and the, the one of your mother. Uh-huh. So, my real name, uh, I am not Antonio Banderas. My real name is Jose Antonio Dominguez Banderas. But I can, I can add that to the second name of my father and the second name of my mother. So, it will be Jose Antonio Dominguez Banderas Prieto Gallego. So, in the old days, people used to do that. I don't know why. Right, I don't yeah. know. Ask me why. Maybe because they felt more important, <laughs> oh, <it laughs> more, attached, more attached to their past, to their history. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know what it is. But uh, at the end, you Americans, you have a tendency, which is great, actually, to uh, simplify things. Mm. Um, even uh, to describe something, you just describe the, the first war, you know, uh, of things. <laughs> right. It's not, you don't say the whole entire thing. Right. Uh, WW1. Exactly. <laughs> WW2. <laughs> exactly. You know, no, in Europe still and countries like Spain, everything has to be pronounced properly. <laughs> I kind of uh, love it, though. It's very grand. Really? Yeah. yeah. This uh, is more practical. How do you, how do you pronounce more. the name of the city again? Malaga. Malaga. Yeah. So how close is Malaga to what, for our audience, is close to some big city they would recognize? Well, Malaga is in the south of Spain, totally right. in the south of Spain. Um, Sevilla, for example, is very close. It's uh, two hours by car, 250 uh-huh. kilometers. And Sevilla is very well known, Seville, by yeah. opera. That is, is the, is the city where more operas were written about. Uh-huh. Seville, really? yeah. So Sevilla. it's the opposite. Granada is very close, too. So, you know, the region How is... How about Mallorca? Mallorca is, 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 is an island that uh-huh. is actually in the northeast uh, of... of uh, center east of Spain, right. northeast of from Malaga. And uh, yeah, but in Madrid and is in the center of the of the country. So uh-huh. we are from Madrid, like uh, five hundred kilometers, five hundred and fifty kilometers. Uh, how old were you, Antonio, when you came here first? When I came here to America first, I was thirty-one years old. That was in nineteen ninety-one, and I couldn't speak English at all. And um, is that right? Uh, nothing, zero. I, the first movie I did in America was phonetically. Movie called The Mambo Kings, Play mm, Songs yes. of Love. Of and I did the movie just learning the lines as you can learn a song. So I. Like I, phonetically? Just phonetically. I couldn't understand the director. So I, I got a. There was a, an interpreter there that used to come from the director to me, from me to the director, so we could communicate with each other, but wow. I couldn't speak the language at the time at all. 
That's when you know you're a good actor. Yeah, well, uh, they're willing you know, to let uh, language you don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> that it would be fun to look at that picture now. Yeah, and, no, yeah, and, it would be fun. And, and, <laughs> you know, so, the thing is, it's interesting because for certain things, not knowing the language was complicated, more difficult, obviously, right? But there were certain things. I am talking now about acting that actually helped me. Uh-huh. Why? Because words are always attached to emotions. Mm. And the words mean something very specific to you. Um, when I started making mo- movies in, in, uh, in America and speaking in English, I was totally detached with the, um, you know, the emotional meaning of the words in another language. Yeah. So uh, it was more difficult for me, for you to understand what I'm talking about. Uh, it was for me more difficult to say te quiero uh-huh. than to say I love you. I know oh. it was very easy for me to say because there was no attachment, emotional attachment to that word. Or even bad words. Bad words just come out of your mouth, you know, <laughs> yeah. very simply. And you, you, you see that it produced an incredible effect, you know, yeah. <laughs> depending on where you are, of course, you know. But for you, they don't have the same meaning. It's just a, a pronunciation that doesn't mean anything. So for acting was quite interesting because I could detach a little bit more, you know, from the uh, specific emotional meaning of the words when I was acting. So in one way it was good, in another way it was bad. But it was quite interesting, that kind of uh, thing. And how long were you here before you married an American? I was here, it was not until 1994 uh, that I met uh, with uh, Melanie and I married her. On we're talking about Melanie Griffith. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And we married in 1995. My little girl, Stella, was born in 1996. She's going to be uh, 22 years old now in September. Is she an, a performer? She is now stepping into it. She denied to be a performer since she was a very little girl. No, I don't uh-huh. want to be in front of the camera. No, I'm going to be, if any, you know, if I'm going to be close to the show business, I'm going to be behind the camera. I'm going to write and make direct, but not in front of the camera. Forget it. Now, at 21, she said, I want to give it a shot. So she's going now this summer to Stella Adler, oh, in, Stella Adler. in New York. Oh, and she's great. studying there in that school. She wants to do it in the right way, putting the elbows on the table, getting on the stage, testing herself, mm. and see what are the, her, her possibilities. And if uh-huh. she feels comfortable, she then will try I have may surprise you at my age, but I have 23-year-old twin daughters. All right. And uh, one of them, uh, I so ached to see her continue because I saw her do play after play, musical after musical through uh, public school and high school. And, All right. Uh, and she's going into psychology. Oh, and I'm wow. thrilled for her and happy for her and, and so forth. But... Uh, I wanted so much. I may be the only show business father in town who wanted his daughter to become a performer, <laughs> an actress, because it is so difficult out there. I know. You know, the thing is that it's true. It's very difficult. And more and more every day. You know, there's more yeah. people. It's just very busy. But uh, I don't know. I would support my daughter whatever she wants to do. Really. If she wanted uh, to be a doctor, I would have been behind her. Of if course. An architect. Of course. But it's, there is something... Now, uh, curiosity and a certain vertigo and fear mm-hmm. in my soul for her to be a performer. 
and to be an actor. Uh -huh. uh, because I know how difficult this business is. I look back now and I think, oh my God, if I had to do the same thing again, would I be capable to do it? You know, I don't have the strength, obviously, now in my body that I had when I was 20 years old. But it was to get from Malaga to Hollywood was not easy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure not. It was a long path. And of course, feel in the middle with many different things. Uh, many of them are coincidences. Um, you know, stories happen. I was just doing a program before this one. We were talking about soccer, right? Because the World Cup is going to start now. And I was supposed to be a soccer player. And you know what happened? The day before Franco, the Spanish dictator, died, I was playing in my team and I broke my left foot. Oh. And then I was thinking, that's how I started doing theater. That summer I couldn't play anymore. So what I did is just I went to performing arts in the school and I started acting. And this acting thing I got totally in love with. And then I started just... This was all in Spain. In Spain. In Spain. But I think how things are, you know, so relative. If I don't hit the ground, that's what happened to me with my left foot that night. Uh, would I be now talking to you about acting in Hollywood right. so many years after, 40-something years after? Life is like that sometimes, you know? Yes. A very minuscule, minimum thing that happened in your life can change, change your whole entire existence and just take your life in a completely different direction. I probably would have been a soccer player. And my career would have finished probably like 25 or 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> As a soccer player, and I would be probably doing something completely different. Yeah, you could be like so, the, the so handsomest what, factory worker in, in your For example, in Spain. Why, why not? <laughs> the, you, the first film you did, Mambo King. Yeah, in it? America, yeah. I'm sorry. The American film, first yes. American film. Correct. That you did it phonetically because you didn't speak English. Right. What were they looking for that you could give them yep. without being able to speak English except phonetically? Well, it was actually a movie in which I play a Cuban musician. Ah. It was Armando Sante and, and me. So I had two Cubans coming from Cuba in 1953 and to pursue the American dream. And um, my character, I mean, my brother, my older brother, Sante, he spoke English slightly, and I was supposed to practically don't speak. So it was justified in the story that the character actually uh -huh. has difficulties, you know, to communicate. Mm. But uh, obviously, you know, there is a moment that you start talking, and it was a year into America, and you were supposed to speak English, right? And so that was one of the things that uh, in the mind of the director, Arnie Glincher, a guy from New York, actually, uh, Th he saw me, you know, that possibility of having somebody that actually has to struggle the same way that the character had uh -huh. to do. And he saw me in some of the uh, Spanish movies that I did at that time, and one of them was very popular. It was nominated for an Academy Award. It was called Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. Great and film. the consecutive movie to that was called uh, Time Me Up, Time Me Down. And so he saw mm -hmm. those movies and says, this is the guy. And... For me, it was kind of a, one of those things that you do and you say, okay, I can tell probably in the future, I can tell my grandson that I did a movie in Hollywood. And that was it. <laughs> that was the end of the story. My idea was just to go back to Spain and continue working there. But then Jonathan Demi was going to do a movie called Philadelphia mm. with Tom Hanks. And they saw me in the Mamboquin, so they took me to New York to do a test with him. And boom, boom, you know, things like that start happening. The movie came out. It was very successful. Another one came. And suddenly I met... Uh, Melanie and that, the 
that, that made me just come to live in, in America for almost 20 years. Can we years. talk, because you mentioned a name that is, uh, t- touches me so emotionally, Jonathan Demi. Oh, man. Jonathan Deming was probably one of the best directors I ever had. And not, not just because he was a very talented uh, uh, director, uh, who he was. He knew, actually, how to touch actors exactly, uh, you know, in, in that point that, that can make them blossom in front of the camera. But he was an amazing human being. He was yeah. as pure oh. and sweet and dear. Did you know Jonathan I didn't. Paul? I did not know oh, personally. Oh, no. my God. I don't know anybody else yeah. I can think of in that way that I think of Jonathan. Details of Philadelphia, you know, I, the guy was totally involved in the story and in the problem at the time. Hollywood at that time didn't speak, speak about AIDS. Mm. They didn't speak about homosexuality, how openly this movie did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm so proud years after that I did that, that job and with a man like him. I remember that we were participating in every demonstration that took place, the whole entire team, eh? mm. even the technicians, everybody, we were going and joined the demonstrations. So he was totally involved in that movement to create awareness, you know, over the problem of uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people that they didn't have any kind of answer from the government, any kind of answer and solution and remedy to the problem. So he was totally involved mm-hmm. in that. This guy was a movie director, a great person, an activist, many other things, a man of his time. It's a pity that he died. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Loved him, loved him, loved him, loved him. You didn't know him, Paul. Did not, but I was a yeah. big fan, fan of that film. What year did that film come out, Philadelphia? Philadelphia came in what year? Yeah. 1993, I think it was, yeah. Because I remember that it coincided with Bill Clinton going to the White House. It was about that time. It was amazing that you guys made that. It was so, it was the first. It was, it yeah. was a big movie. It was very important. But it wasn't guaranteed it would be that big because it was such a touchy no. subject. You guys Absolutely. But it was about time, you know. Um, I think it was. Talk uh, about, excuse me for a moment. Yeah, talk yeah. about that subject because we've got a lot of people listening who may not associate. Oh, yeah. You know, the it. subject uh, was uh, number one, the disease itself, but then the, the, the subject that was over the whole entire movie was uh, homosexuality uh, on the screen of a big studio. And it was very important at that time to normalize mm. what in mm. the real life was normal. Uh, to the eyes of everybody. And the commitment of Hollywood was necessary to, do, to, to make this happen, as still it is today, you know. Uh, there are still countries in the world that uh, to be homosexual is penalized. Yeah. And, and, and hard, you know. I'm talking countries like Russia, you know. I mean, I'm talking about big countries. I'm not talking a lost country in Africa. No, no, no. no. Big countries, developed mm-hmm. countries, you know. So it's important that the message is, is um, you know, sent to the audiences, to normalize, when, and I repeat, what is absolutely normal, what it should be absolutely normal to everybody. And that is uh, uh, very important. So you feel proud. You feel, I feel the, the pride that actually we made that movie at that mm. particular time and opened the eyes of many people and says, hey, this is happening. We have to just, uh, you know, rethink and reflect about this problem, you know, what the people are suffering mm. all around the world. Uh, it was again. a wonderful film. Yeah, it, it is. A it was. Film. It was touching the heart of many people. And then know. you were everywhere after that, right? You were. Everywhere. You became a huge <laughs> star. Now, did, had you learned the language? 
At that time, I, I spoke a little bit better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but as you can see, you know, I still have a very strong accent, which will never be corrected. Because when you learn a language at the age of 30, 31, it's very difficult. You know, your muscles are made for Spanish. But, uh, but it's like music for me. I mean, I, I right. love it. I love that sound. Oh, you know, God, the, yeah. What yeah. is interesting is that many years after the accent provide me with one of the most beloved characters I have ever done. And it was Puss in Boots. Um, Because (laughs) it was so recognizable that actually uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg said, uh, we should use him. That's great. And everybody recognized that cat with an accent, you know, as being the the, the hero. In a way, it gave me the possibility of laughing of myself, which is very healthy. Yeah. 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 Well, I I did (laughs) a movie in Argentina, and I... I love Spanish, the sound of Spanish, and I was very interested in the different sounds of Spanish between Argentina and yeah. Spain, and yeah. and I tried to learn Spanish, and I'm going to try again. Okay. I have it in my head. Say something in Spanish. To... I want to hear something. Well, you you mentioned Spanish. Cuban, and <laughs> it all uh, disappeared. I'm I'm involved right now with a new television show. Well, third season. They just which uh, is Netflix picked us up for a third season. Oh yeah, of course. Which is a Latina version of a show I did many years ago called One Day at a Time. All right. This is with Rita Moreno. Uh-huh, wow. And Justina Machado, if you know that brilliant brilliant actress. Uh-huh. And they are Cuban. The family is uh, Cuban American, two children and uh, the, she is a single mother bringing up the two children with the And you did that show how many years ago? Oh, I don't know, 30 years ago. Okay. Season three. Rita and this Moreno. is season three of the new one, and they're from Cuba. My so, Okay. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, all the Spanish community, in a way, we are attached to each other. You know, when I am in, in Spain, I am a Spaniard. I'm a Spanish. When I am here, I am Latino. I am part of a community that sure. is bigger than the Spanish community. Yeah. I feel that way with Mexicans. I feel that way with Puerto Ricans or Cubans or Argentinians or Chileans. I don't, I don't That's care. That's great. We talk the same language and we can. We are kind of brothers in language. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Have you ever met Rita? Rita Moreno? Yes, I met her because she gave me an award in the Platino Awards. Actually, in a, the ceremony was celebrated in Marbella, which is very uh-huh. close to Malaga, and she gave me that award. And uh, years before she came to see me, uh, when I was performing on Broadway, I was doing a musical called Nine, and yes. uh, and she came. Uh, and I, w- I was which had been called strangely enough Eight and a Half as a film. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was after Eight and a Half by Federico Fellini. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and you were nominated. Were you nominated for the Tony? For the Tony for that one and, for and Best the, Actor in a Musical. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the and the and the play um, won. We won the Tony that year. Oh, great! Yeah, the play won. Yeah. What year is that? There was 2003. Yeah. 2003. Definitely. Do you love doing musical theater? The happiest time that I had in America as a professional was not in front of a camera. He was on the stage of the Eugene O'Neill Theater in the 49th Street in New York. Uh, yeah. Those days, I will never forget. That year was the happiest year of my life. I still go to New York, and, uh, and I visit the theater. And just I go through the actor's door... And gate, and I smell the theater, and I got tears in my eyes. Uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. I swear, it's very emotional to me to go there because I remember every night that we spent there. Um, I am more actually a theater actor. Uh, it's funny. Theater to me is almost like a woman that loved me and I left behind. 
because oh, I, I yeah. was raised in the theater. Theater is the thing that called my attention for the first time. My mother and my father were theater aficionados, and I just love that game. I love that ritual that happened in a theater in which a group of people is telling a story to another group of people that are sitting down. I think it's an act of, an act of uh, civilization. You know that we can actually reflect about life through uh, this kind of almost religious ritual of theater. So I fell in love, and I remember that three or four years after I started going with my father to see theater in Malaga, all the companies that were coming from Madrid or Barcelona, that I started feeling very uncomfortable. And I didn't know why. I, there was something that I, did, I couldn't understand until I understood that what I wanted is just to go on the other side of that mirror mm -hmm. and just jump on the stage and doing it from the other side. And that was the beginning of it. That's you know? Do you ever get the feeling when you go to plays now? and the lights are going down, oh. and you're sitting in the audience, do you ever feel like, wait, I'm on the wrong side, having done it? No, done no, it. now that I have done it, no, I enjoy it more. I love, I get lost completely. I am not contaminated. I, I, I can watch movies that, the movies filled with friends of mine, actors that I have been working with. If the movie is well told, the story is yeah. I forget that they are my friends. They are the characters, and I totally get into that. So when I go to the theater, I... I can click. It's like a button that I unplug from who I am, and I totally try to get. I am a very good audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I don't, I don't go there thinking, ah, oh, let's see, what are they going to show me? You have to I actually be very. No, I, no, I am, no. I'm, I, I talk about that all the time. I'm, the, I'm the same way. I sit down and I say, take me. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That's take the, me. I, you know, I can never see. So everyone else can see. The, the thing coming down Fifth Avenue, and I never see it. I've got a stupid button in me, too, that I turn <laughs> off, and I just allow the movie to happen and take me. Yeah. And so much so that I can watch a movie two, three times. Of course. And yeah. still just, it's totally new. Yeah, absolutely. I know how it doesn't happen to you also that you have like a, a camera or a stage attached to your eyes and to your brain. Sometimes I'm in New York, and I... I'm in a car if uh, um, certain music sounds, I'm watching a movie. I am just doing mm -hmm. a script, a uh, live script yes. of what is happening. That lady that is going to cross now the street. What is her story? Should I follow that yeah. story? <laughs> <laughs> or when it's completely yeah. incongruous. Absolutely. I was, I was sitting in a, in, a cigar, in a cigar lounge in New York, and there were these old guys sitting there smoking their cigars. It's like, you know, New York guys, and they're sitting there, and, and the, the, they were playing like Britney Spears for some reason, came on the speakers in the background. And I was looking at that and thinking, what a strange juxtaposition yeah. of these yeah. old guys talking about sports and stuff and Britney Spears is playing. You can do a story out of anything. Absolutely. Really, yeah. out of anything. You don't need so much. You know, just observing what is happening surrounding you. There are all the time unbelievable stories. Yeah. All the time. You have to know how to see it. <laughs> That's the point. How was it, uh, Antonio, as a... Uh, how long had you been here when you met Melanie and fell in love? I, it was, I, I arrived here in 1991. I met her in, in 1994. It was uh, three years, three years and a half. Okay. Uh, so you weren't as well known as you are today. No, and not really. I, I was known in Spain, in Europe, but in America I started to be. So you know? how was it being married to somebody who was exceedingly well known? 
it was a shock at the beginning. It was, uh, you know, I was not used to that amount of attention. You know, I had a certain amount of attention, but, but suddenly it was like a lot. And uh, at the beginning, kind of, uh, you know, I didn't know how to cope with it, really. I uh-huh. confess that I, it was difficult. Um, and I probably, at that time, I made a lot of mistakes, you know. Uh, but it's something that you cannot learn like this. You need a little bit of time to understand what is happening, to understand that actually is not going forever, that is uh, temporary, that you sometimes are hot, sometimes you are cold, sometimes you are warm, and you are in uh-huh. the middle, that things go up and down. and So you have to understand that in order to survive in this profession. And, uh, and at that time, everything was very dizzy. But I was in love. And I didn't care. <laughs> you know, yeah, when you're in love, you, you have, like, shields everywhere. Nothing damages you. It's just uh, you just, you're floating out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and that's it, you know. Yeah. And it's still today, you know, though we are not together anymore. But I love Melanie. I will love Melanie until the day I die. Mm-hmm. She's... My family. She will be always my family, the mother of my baby. Well, you have a child uh, together. Absolutely, yeah, yeah Stella. And uh, and the other two also, that I practically raised them, Dakota Johnson right. and, oh, right. uh, and Alexander Bauer. And, uh, so they, they, we, I, they, they, these guys are my family, literally. That's lovely. Yeah, you, right. Have you remarried? No. Uh, I have a relationship, but I, I didn't remarry. I don't think I will marry again. <laughs> can, can we have, I don't know how, how big the audience is. Can we offer you? What? To this audience? We can, we, we can offer you possible marriage? To this, yeah. For, <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Once is enough, right? Once is enough. No, twice. twice. I'm oh, twice. Tri- oh, I've married before. Yeah, I married before. Well, one in each country. With an Spanish uh, yeah. um, actress, too. I married two actresses. That's, very, that's a lot of merit. That should give me a medal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah, it must be fun to be Antonio Banderas. And Are you single sure? <laughs> and single? Uh, I don't remember the last time I was single. Uh, I yeah, it was in 1986. Wow. And yesterday yeah. too. And uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, you know, it was almost consecutive when I uh, my relationship with Melanie finished. I met the, the, my actual girlfriend. You know, almost immediately. So. Um, no, I've not been single. Uh, not unlike Picasso. Time. No, not unlike Picasso. He went not from, at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I, I love that the show, the way that you had the relationships. Well, the, in, the, in the case of Picasso, it's, it's even more complicated because Picasso didn't finish that relationship. Right. Picasso just put them one on top of each other. It's almost like a, a sandwich of women. You know, I mean, he n- never stopped the relationship. He never divorced Olga Koklova. He was having other right? relationships while he was still married. Wow. Yeah. With uh, Maria Teresa Walter, which uh, immediately after Olga Koklova, and yeah. then uh, Dora Mar came, and he got the th- three going on at the same time, and then Francois. He managed, actually, to keep all this. It's like those guys in the circus that are trying just to keep all these plates moving. Yeah, spinning uh, at the same time. <laughs> That's right. And you, you stop, everything falls. So he... He never stopped. Now, is Francois Gillot, is she still with us? She She's still with us. She lives in New York. Have you spoken to her? Or? No, no, not to her. Uh, I have spoken to part of the uh, Picasso family. It was very interesting because uh, 
I, I, I kind of friends uh, with the grandson of Picasso. He came to the set and he stayed with uh, Olivier, Olivier Winmeyer Picasso. And his, his mother is Maya, daughter of Picasso and Maria Teresa Walter. Mm-hmm. And I was doing a scene with a British actor who is playing uh, Paul Eloy. And, and I, in this scene, I talk about Maya. You know, he asked me, mm-hmm. oh, you're going to leave the family? I said, no, I adore my daughter. I worship her. I, am, I will never leave. And then I, the scene finished, and the grandson says, mm-hmm. my mother is on the phone. And I was talking with the woman that I was actually. Wow. I was talking about her. Mm-hmm. And she's now 82 years old. And she spoke in a perfect Spanish, though she's French. But, oh. you know, I love my father. You know, my father was a great guy. Don't believe everything that people say about him. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's yeah. good to hear. Because yeah, it, it could be difficult. She was very, very yeah. nice. You know, very, very nice. And, um, and he says, you know, I think my mom loved him until the end. The yeah. mother commits suicide, though. When Picasso died, she couldn't understand a wall without Picasso. That's mm. what she said mm. to me. And so she commits suicide. She writes nine letters to members of the family and just took off. But, you know, we'll never see a world without Picasso. Right. But we are not going to commit suicide. <laughs> Across mm. the globe, he matters the way he always mattered. It's extraordinary. Yeah. No, it was... Uh, it was a, if you have to give a definition of a real artist, that would be Picasso. He sacrificed mm. practically everything in his life, and that is, I think that's the reason of why he left behind so many collateral damages. It's because he totally dedicated his whole entire life and all the focus in his artistic, his artistic career. That was the center of his life and the only thing, really, in his life. He worked. That's what people don't understand. It's like show business. It's a lot of work. Oh, my God. Painting. He got up, he painted, he painted, he painted. Right. There were around 25,000 oils, but the, the, wow. the, the amount of, uh, of uh, pieces are like 80, 85,000 between ceramics and lithographies and, uh, you know, drawings and, and oils. And it's enormous. It was like a rabbit, mm. for Christ's sake. I mean, he gave so much. And at the same time, it's very expensive. It's always, so it didn't make it cheaper. But the opposite is incredible. He, it was, he had an incredible production of things. Yeah. He's a father was a painter, right? Correct. Pigeons. Yeah. Right? And he gave him, at what, at what age was, when he said to Picasso, here's my brushes, here's my paints, you've, I think Picasso was like 13 or something, his father said, here, you're the painter. Yeah. At the age of 14, he could paint like Velázquez or Vermeer. Like the great painters in figurative, so he got more of doing that, and then he spent his life deconstructing it. Right, yeah. he, he mastered classical painting. We're talking about 14. Picasso, and for those who may have tuned in late, we are talking about Picasso with a man who is playing him now. The show is called Genius, and the genius is Pablo Picasso, as portrayed by Antonio Banderas, sitting across from me, wearing the mo- not wearing. I mean, he has grown the most beautiful. Beer, the black and gray against the tan of his. I mean, he's beautiful. Is that just how it comes out, or do you have to color that? I didn't color this. Wow. I promise you, man. How about the hair? The hair, neither. See, I would let mine go gray if I could go gray like that, but it would turn white, mine. Maybe I should try it. What's the matter? White is gray on the head. Why well, put shoe polish in? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was hairless for. Do you know the American five expression? Antonio? Oh, right. You know the American expression, bucket list? No. 
Explain to me what it means. People get older, uh -huh. uh, they have a bucket list. It's a bucket that's full of things that they oh. have yet to do and wish to do. Uh, the bucket list, you All know, right. the top ten in the bucket list. Is, you know, okay. bucket list could be any number of things. And if you were thinking about that, what is out there, out there you ache to do? I, I would guess one is to do another Broadway show. Yeah, well, no, definitely. But uh, it does make me happen closer and sooner than you think. Ah. And, uh, yeah. But uh, there is I didn't hear that. What was that? That, that, that is going to be sooner than you think to be oh, on, yes. on Broadway again. Are we getting oh. exclusive? Uh, Something is going on. One of the things that I learned from uh, playing Picasso is something that I suspected before. I read, you know, not, not such a long time ago, in a, in a magazine that do you know do you know what are the, by profession yes the people who live longer professionals uh -huh. which one who lives longer yeah by professions uh, maybe musicians um, I would say sheep herders writers writers writers, writers. people that apparently they don't have any physical activity, they don't jog, they don't do... Normally they drink whiskey and, yeah, and smoke and <laughs> sit on their asses. But the intellectual activities will keep them alive. Wow. So what I learned with Picasso is that Picasso, and I, this is not, you know, I stopped smoking. I, you know, I advise anybody who's listening to us to stop smoking. But Picasso smoked a lot. He died at the age of 92. But the intellectual activity of the guy was so strong that kept him alive for 92 years. Easy. And working. And working. Non-stop. Yeah. He worked until the night before he died. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, is very important. So it's about what you just said about bucket list, you said? Bucket list. Bucket yeah. list. I have a very long bucket list because I want to live for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just did something crazy. I just found a way to ruin myself in a very uh, romantic way. Ooh. I bought a theater in Malaga. Oh. And uh, and then I what I'm going to do is probably I'm going to open it, uh, making a deal. I don't want to say the play, and I don't want to say the person that I'm going to make the deal until it's done. But uh, I'm going to make a deal with a Broadway producer, and we are going to open this show first in my theater in Malaga. We will do all the previews there, and then we will travel to New York, and we just put it on Broadway. Wow. And that is one of... Uh, the highlights of my life right now because oh, I, I want to be on the stage so badly. Really, I, I really miss that. And in those two places, what yeah. could be better? And, and you will uh, appear in this play. Yeah. Musical or yeah. play? It's a musical. It's a musical. Uh, it's a musical. One that has been done or a new musical? It, no, it has been done. Yes, but been. long time, long time yeah. ago. Long wow, time. that's great. Yeah. And to return home, have you done anything in Malaga since you left? Have you done a theater piece or anything? No, I did a movie I directed there. My second, uh, second movie I directed was there, but no theater. No, I didn't go on the stage in Malaga. How nice will that be to return? Oh, it's going to be great because at the same time, it's not only for me. I'm going to open it because I think I have to just go on the stage there and say, okay, guy, this place is open for business. But uh, it's going to be, I have two theaters in reality. The, the downstairs theater is a theater for 800 people, uh, audience, it's not too big. And, uh, but that's for more traditional theater, theater that is prestige theater. I'm talking about Tennessee Williams or Lope de Vega or Cervantes or Shakespeare. But in the upper floors, I have a 250 uh, seats theater for new voices and for 
alternative theater mm -hmm. for young people, wow. for uh, young actors, from uh, young writers. And so you want this place to be very dynamic and very alive. So it's not only about that play that we are going to do there. It's just because I just love the idea of bringing something back uh, to my town. Are you going to form a company of actors? Not, not, yeah. a, not a company. Yeah. I, I want it to be open. We are going to produce three shows uh, every year in the down theaters and another three shows up there. Upstairs. And, uh, and then we're going to invite companies for the off-season to, uh -huh. you know. So, yeah, that's the idea of wow. the whole thing. That's good, that's the opening. A, that's a lot to have on your mind. That's my bucket and, list. Sam. And that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that feeds the life bug. That's yeah. what keeps you going. Here you go. Absolutely. Having that much on your mind. Who is this chap that's looking there? We don't know. We don't know. But he's who a mystery that is. man. <laughs> hey, have you been to Spain, Norman? Huh? You been to Spain? I, I, I love Spain. I'm, I, I don't want to sound like I know it so well, but uh, I was involved with a friend named David Stein, and in, in a hotel in Mallorca. That's why I asked earlier about Mallorca. Right. And uh, fell in love, my wife and I both fell in love with Spain, and, and uh, we haven't spent all that much time there, but we're looking forward to going back in a few weeks. Oh, really? Yeah. All we'll, right. We, we'll, we'll stop in Mallorca, and we'll visit. Our friend still has the hotel there in Puj Puyent. Puj Puyent? Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Mallorca is one of the most beautiful places in the I world, really. I love it. Michael Douglas. Oh, yeah. Has beautiful a house, house. in yeah. Mallorca. Orca, oh really? Up on a cliff. Cliff. Yeah. That has two 180 to 360 degrees of land of, of view, of, and it is the most glorious spot that I can remember being any place in the world. Wow. And his home is. The you know home. there are there is a place very close to where uh, Michael Douglas has this house, and that is it's like a slope. And he ends up in a cliff to the ocean and right when the sun sets, okay, every day. So in the summer, you feel that is filled with people. Like I am talking about maybe five, 6,000 people mm. that goes there just to see the sunset. And they put music. They put classic music. Wow. People sit there and they just – and they <sighs> applaud. Every time the sun goes down, everybody goes – And they applaud. Oh, that's fantastic. Like a, like a play. <laughs> I, I believe it, I've been to Barcelona, but – when I was there, some friends took us out, and I don't know where it was. It was a couple hours outside Barcelona. And we went to the home of Biggest Luna. Did you know Biggest Luna? I, I did a commercial with Biggest Luna here in Los Angeles with Sharon Stone. Oh, really? Yeah, many what years a, ago. A, a filmmaker, artist, yeah. had a, this beautiful estancia. Is that what it would be? Estancia, yeah. 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 Uh, Finca. Where yeah. he was growing organic vegetables and thinking and philosophizing and making art and making films. and yeah. What an inspiration that guy oh, was. Yes. Yeah. And what an inspiration this conversation has oh. been with you, Antonio. Right. Picasso. I'm getting a, <laughs> uh, a, a message from beyond the, uh, the glass there where the uh, controls exist. We have... Uh, Sadly run out of we, time. We, I don't know if we, we... When I look at this man, listen to this man, and hear the heart and soul of this guy, uh, but there's no way we can scratch the surface of all of the above. True. <laughs> but we try. <laughs> and we have tried here, and it's been delicious with you, Antonio. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Norma. Come back again. All right. Thank yeah. you, Paul. This has been all of the above. What does it mean? 
this life, this day and night. So I'm Norman Lear, and you can find me, should you wish to hunt me down, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Norman Lear. And you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Paul Fiat. And life is good, and space and time. Give me some of yours, I'll give you some of mine.